Father, thank you so much that we can gather and sing and celebrate and rejoice and be glad and give the glory to you because you have met our every need through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your infinite, eternal, abundant love. Jesus, thank you for coming and laying down your life. Apart from that, we would all stand condemned and we would need to die. And yet you, rich in mercy, abundant and loving kindness, laid down your life for us in our place. Jesus, you've taken care of everything. You've set us free to simply shine as a light, to love fervently from the heart. And so I pray this morning, as I empty myself, you would fill me with your spirit to love and serve and strengthen, encourage, exhort, and equip your body that we might be a people who fix our eyes on you, Jesus. That as we do that, you might use us to draw more people into your kingdom for your glory. We know we can't do it, and so we come and ask you to do it in us and through us, that you might be glorified as we submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome. So glad y'all are here. This is Hillside. Uh, Guest visitors, if you've never been, this is the greatest group of people I've ever met in my life. They're just incredible. Uh, They are astounding, and they love really well because they know Jesus. And so together as a group, to the first-timers, newcomers, those out of recovery, those watching in recovery, we're just so glad that you're here. We believe Jesus changes everything, and I'm going to put all my cards on the table. Today I want to preach Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected to you, and I want you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. At Hillside, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We believe it's the power of God unto salvation. So for those of you here, you're one day sober, up to 30 days sober, you're watching online. Jesus isn't a higher power. He is the higher power, the only one who's been able to restore me to sanity. And so if you're here struggling with sin, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus, bring all of your sin to Jesus. You may wonder what Jesus wants from you today. He doesn't want your money. He wants your sin. He wants you to bring all your sin to him. He'll take it all and give you his righteousness because that's how good he is. So we're so glad you're here. We've been looking at how Jesus changes everything. He starts by changing me. Like He wants to change me, and he does that by changing me from the inside out. That is, when I came to him December 16th and said, Jesus, help me, I bring all my sin to you, he planted his life in me, and he begins to grow us. Uh, You see, my name's Dave, I'm a new creature in Christ, and it just so happens I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic saved by grace, and Jesus wants to do the same thing for you. He wants to give you this life we're talking about in the Gospel of John. It's abundant life, eternal life, life overflowing. You see, we live in a grouchy, grumpy, greedy world that puts the sippy cup lid on everything. They don't want anything to spill out. You notice that? incredibly, incredibly stingy because we're afraid that everything's going to run out. Our money's going to run out. Food's going to run out. Everything's running out. Our God's so good. He says, I'm going to put my life in you and it's abundant life. So I'm going to take the sippy lid off and I want you just to spill life and love and joy everywhere. Now we've been watching how Jesus does that. We're going to see it again today. John chapter 3 I backed up because last week, by the time I got to John 3.16, I only had like a minute 16 left. Remember that? It's awful. It's the worst pastoral move ever. You come to John 3.16 with a minute left. Epic fail. It is. So what I did this week is I backed back up to John 3.16, and we're going to take a running start from there. And it's so important. Listen, yo, it's so important. Because when I did that, I started reading the text. We're going to see the character attributes of God today. We're going to see God's love, God's wrath, and God's justice. And it's all in the same passage, the most famous passage, God so loved the world. And we're going to see his justice and judgment and his wrath. Because if we don't understand how the attributes of God all work together, the picture of our life will be distorted. You happen to live in a woke, messed up culture that says, oh, your God's a God of wrath. I don't like that God. I can't believe in a God of judgment. Uh, They all come together. All God's attributes work together. I'm going to read it to you. Watch this. We don't have time up there, so I'm flying. Oh, it's up there now. I got excited, 
and then depressed all within a second. Let me, I was like, oh, we're flying. What do you call it? Flying without instruments? Yeah. Yeah, that's just freedom. You know, you just go, right? All right, never mind. Watch this. They're like, no, the FAA won't let that. John 3, 16, God says, John writes this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in Jesus is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God. After these things, Uh, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing them. John was also baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there, and people were coming and were being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about baptism or purification, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, He who is with you beyond the Jordan, that's Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. We're losing people, he's gaining people. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is of the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received this testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not believe or obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So there it is, the most famous passage on the love of God, and it's got the judgment of God and the wrath of God all together. Now, what are we going to do with that? See, if, typically you just skip over the wrath and judgment part and just preach about the love part. But if I was in the congregation, the pastor did that, I would write him a note and say, This is why I'm not a Christian. You guys skip all the difficult parts as pastors. So I'm not going to do that. Let's jump in because this is super important. If you studied straight through the Bible, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, one of the huge theological truths about God that you'd run into is this, that God is one. Now, that doesn't seem amazing to anyone. We're like, yeah, we're monotheists and we believe in one God. No, it's actually more than that. All of God's attributes pieces and parts all function together perfectly in tandem for forward motion. I'm going to say it again. All of God's attributes, all of God's pieces and parts, all that God is works in perfect tandem to move his plan, his glory forward. Now, now this is huge because you live in a culture that separates out, separates out the attributes of God. You'll, you'll be with coworkers who will say, I believe in a God of love, I just can't believe in a God of judgment. What, you, what they've just done is disintegrated God's character and his attributes. They've put God's attributes in tension against each other, but all that God's attributes function in tandem together. See, we do this because the small theological picture is this. Because of sin, we're all divided. 
worldwide, sin divides, does it not? That's why I grew up hating the Russians. Like, I grew up as a child, second, third grade, we would have Russian drills. I, I, I grew up in Gold Beach, Oregon. There was 800 of us. And they would have the drills, and we would have to hide under your desk. Anybody else, rem- anybody else do this? So we grew up, and it was like, Gorbachev, he's going to, madman, he's going to push the button. We, got, we hate the Russians. And then Wolverine came out. Anybody? Amen? Wolverine. I got my rubber band gun. I was like, bring the Russians. Sin divides worldwide. It even divides nationally. What, what state don't you like? Who doesn't like uh, New York? California. California. Oh, we hate on California. You need, y'all need to know there's a lot of Californians up in this mug right now, so be gentle. Listen, we don't like your politics and policies and all of that, but we love you. Uh, it divides nationally, it divides locally, it divides individually. Sin disintegrates me. That is my, my, my mind, heart, soul, and strength don't work together. Anybody ever argue with themselves? It's astounding. Part of me likes it because I win every argument. Part of me doesn't like it because I lose. And so I'm divided. I'm like, well, here I go arguing with me again. I figure everybody does it, but maybe not because I'm unwell. Sin divides us at the individual level where now my attributes function in tension. That is, sometimes I'm too heavy on compassion, love. Let them do whatever they want. Let the kids do whatever they want. It's not worth the fight. Overly compassionate to the point of codependence. Other times, I'm overly critical to the point of crushing people. You see, our attributes function in tension. What we're gonna do today is look at all the attributes of God because when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ on the cross, we see all of God's attributes come together and where my view of God is disintegrated, my life will be distorted. People aren't gonna see Jesus in me. Where my view of God's attributes are disintegrated, I pit God's attributes against each other, my life will be distorted. I'll be codependent overly compassionate or overly critical and crush people. I'll be too big on truth or grace. And the world needs to see an integrated picture of who God is. This is what the gospel does for us. Here's where I'm I'm leading you to. Jesus Christ came and was disintegrated for us. He came into this world of darkness. He was literally torn apart for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was disintegrated from the Father so that by grace he might reintegrate you into the Godhead. He might save you. What we're gonna see today is very, very simple. God's perfect. All of his attributes work together perfectly. Uh, and, And when we understand that and understand the cross correctly, his attributes will begin to grow and flow through us so that the world might see truly who God is. Now, we're gonna see God's love, we're gonna see God's light, truth, and God's law, wrath. And we're gonna see how all of God's attributes flow from love. This is a huge foundational point. All of his attributes flow from love. God is love, God gives truth, and God has wrath. But all of this flows from his love. I'll show you, you gotta have all of these things. Love, truth, and wrath, amen? Okay, some of you like it. A lot of you are uncomfortable with it. Like, where's he going with this? He keeps saying wrath. Watch. Let's jump in. John 3, 16, Mark. For, and this is the famous one. It's good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. Is God love? Yeah, it says it right here. The record of scripture, the record of the Bible is absolutely crystal clear on this. God is love, 1 John 4, 7. God so loved, that's extent, that's amount. He so loved, how much did God love? He so loved that he gave all that he could give. He gave his only son for sinners and rebels. Beloved, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the 
propitiation or the atoning sacrifice. God looked at us and said, somebody's got to die. Sin is debt. Somebody's got to pay. And God loved you so much, he sent his son to be that atoning sacrifice. And God demonstrates, Romans 5, God demonstrates that's presently, actively, continuously. He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he didn't love you because you did something super duper awesome, right? It's not that you came home with a gold star on your kindergarten paper and God's like, I love you. You make me feel good about me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he sent his spirit to shed his love abroad in our hearts. You read that one? It's wild. It's like he, the spirit of God comes in. You ever seen him spackle a wall like with, with a, a, a texture, texture the wall? Uh, yeah, that's what God did with his love in your heart. When you understand, he came, just textured the wall of your heart with his love. Beloved, if God so loved us, how ought we to love one another? Because by this, all men will know that we're Jesus' disciples if we have love for one. The record of scripture is clear. God is love and he loves amazingly. And God is not only love. You see, you live in a culture that would say God is love and he's only love. He can only be love. God is love. But if your God is only love, what you have is a grandparent God. I'm not a grandparent yet, but I've heard from grandparents and grandparents tell me it's the best ever. It's awesome. And I say, why is it awesome? And they say, because I get to spoil them. I get to sugar them up. Ah, boom. I get to spoil them, sugar them up. And then I give them to mom and dad. I don't have to do any of the discipline. I get all of the delight. You need to know that's how our culture views God. They've taken one verse and said, God is love and he's only love. He's got no other attribute. And if your God is only love, I can guarantee you're gonna be a spoiled, rotten, abhorrent kid. No, genuinely. God does what I want. I bring my list to him and God does what, if not, I throw a fit. I'm like Veruca Salt, Veronica Salt, Vanessa Salt. Who, that movie, somebody help me out. It's doesn't matter. She says, I want it, daddy, and I want it now. And everybody goes, oh, somebody needs to spank her. Amen? If your God is love and only love and purely love and merely love, then you've got a grandparent God and you say, God, spoil me. But that is not a loving God because you'll have diabetes and you'll have cavities and you'll be hypertensive, all kinds of medical words. Amen? And that's not love, is it? As a parent, that's not love. God is love and he is not only love. I'm gonna show you because God is love, he's also very truthful because love brings light, it brings truth. And because God is love, he has wrath. And I'll show you how all this fits together. Watch, because God is love, he brings light. Pull up verse 19, 20, 21. We'll start with 19. Watch how many times this comes up. God is love. He's so loved that he gave his son. What else did he give? Well, this is the judgment that, hmm? Yeah, definite article, the light. Jesus has come into the world, but men love the darkness rather than, hmm? Good, you're getting it. The light for their deeds were evil. Go verse 20. I'll show you again. For everyone who does evil hates, the definite article is over here, the light and does not come to, oh, there it is again. You see how many times this is coming up? Because God is love, he brings truth. He brings light, the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Go verse 21. But he who practices truth comes to, there it is again, the light, so that his deeds may be manifest as have been wrought in God. Because God is love, you need to know that love gives truth. Love speaks truth. Love brings light. Love judges certain things as safe and other things as unsafe. It judges. Love condemns some things 
truthfully is dangerous and encourages you to do something else because that's what love does. The state, in fact, demands that I do this. We, we set up our house as a, a safety respite place for CPS and they came in and said, you have to cover up every outlet. I said, why? They're dangerous. I said, that's judgmental. <laughs> that's very judgy from the state, isn't it? No, you have to cover up. I can't tell you how many fingernails I've broken trying to pick out those, the things. Spirit of God was at work filtering things. Thank you. And I'll break nails. Why? Because my kids will stick paper clips, knives, toys, tongues, anything into the outlet. The kids are made to end themselves, amen? I don't know why. So what love does is it judges that as unsafe and says, no, don't do that. Do you know the state, the city, the municipality judges things. It condemns things. Do you know when there's a building that the state says is unsafe or the municipality says is unsafe? What does the, the town do to a building that's unsafe? They condemn it because they say that is unsafe. You see, this is what love does. It judges. It condemns. It says this is good and this is bad. You know this. They're called warning labels. Since 1972, Consumer Product Safety Commission, it's actually a section of the government <laughs> that puts warning labels on stuff. Astounding warning labels. Anybody ever bought a, a wheelbarrow? I bought my first wheelbarrow. I brought it home. It's got a warning sticker on it. Not highway rated. <laughs> on a, and I looked at that and I thought, what redneck from Mississippi? No offense to me, sorry. What redneck from Alabama? Uh, sorry, don't. What redneck from Oregon? Anybody else from Oregon? Two, okay. Well, you know our people. What redneck from Oregon would buy a wheelbarrow and say, hey, Joe Bob, let's, let's hook this behind the four by. I bet that would be fun. What red, I bought, it had a warning sticker. I bought a thermometer. I, we had a sick child and we always lose our thermometers. I don't know why. Anybody else lose? Because you only use them at like 1.47 in the morning. Because a kid will come in, oh, I'm sick. And then you're looking for your thermometer, never find it. You can't. There's a little thermometer, evil thermometer fairy, takes your thermometer. So I always have to go down to CVS. I'll go to CVS, get it. I was driving home, taking it out, making sure it had a battery. You know, there's a label, a warning label on there. Uh, once used rectally, don't use orally. And I, <laughs> I thought, again, what redneck? was like, oh, don't use oral. That sounds like Russian disinformation to me, Suzanne. We'll just give it a little washeroo. What, what's the worst that could happen? Diphtheria? That's not real. What redneck? I could go on and on. We could do this for hours. I mean, it's, it truly is astoundingly hilarious. Why do we do that? Because love brings light. It brings truth. It lets you know, do not use that thermometer in that way. It's unsafe and we're judging. You understand this is what our whole system of jurisprudence is based on. We have judges to say, this is right and this is wrong. And that's loving in a fallen world to judge things and condemn things as safe and good and right and unsafe and unhealthy. This is what God has done. He's come to us and said, this is the way of life. And this is the way of death. Warning, don't do this because love brings light. It brings truth. Now, we don't like it. Why? Go to verse 20. I'll show you. Go back one. Everyone who does evil, that is, if you don't want to do what God says, you're free to. But it says, Everyone who does evil, what? 
It's a strong word, isn't it? I'll use red on that one. Red will trigger everybody up in this mug. Oop. Prepare to be triggered. Everyone who does evil, ooh, he used red. Now I'm triggered. Good. Because that's a heavy, that's a, <laughs> shouldn't you crack me up? It's a heavy word. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Here's the reality. Because God is love, he brings light. He brings truth. But when he does, we rage. God says, hey, I want you to tell the truth. Don't tell me what to do. We rage. Now, it's interesting because we'll rage at God for telling us, for loving us and giving us truth. That's what the world is doing. They hate the light. How dare you tell me this is good and this is bad? I rage at that. But the same people, if you don't put the warning sticker on the wheelbarrow, the same people that rage, don't tell me what to do, they'll ruin you. They will sue you. You didn't tell me what to do. Isn't it astounding? Don't warn me. You don't warn them. Now I'm going to sue you. I didn't know not to hook up the wheelbarrow to my four by. How dare you not tell me? You see, that's the world you live in. It's insanity. So they come, God's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He's going to bring light. They rage. So should he not bring light? No. He says, I'm going to, I love this world so much. I'm going to bring truth. Rage all you want but I'm gonna bring truth because that's what love does. It judges things as good and bad. And God has judged that which is good and righteous because he loves us and he wants us to know truth. Now you need to know this. Not only does love bring light, it brings lots of light. Watch what John does next. It's interesting. You've gotta follow the words he uses. Testimony, testify, witness. Go, I'm gonna go for the sake of time. Three minutes left and I'm not even a quarter of the way done. And my speech teacher told me, hey, when you're behind, don't, don't speak rapidly. That doesn't help us. <sighs> so she's watching. Here you go. I'm going to speak slowly and in a hurry. Verse 20. Watch 20. I'm going to go 26, 28, 30, 31, 32. 26. God brings lots of light. So they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to, you, to whom you have See this word here? What word is it? It's a legal word. It's giving uh, expert witness to. So they come to John and said, hey, John, remember when you testified? And this is what you do when you go to court. Do you, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing, nothing but the truth, so I help you God? I, I swear. And you give your testimony. So John testified and said, behold the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. So John gave Human expert witness. Watch verse 28. We'll go 28. You yourselves, now John is speaking to the people he spoke to. You, you yourselves are, are my, you see it there? What word is that? So John gave testimony and he had witnesses. And so he's bringing light. He's giving expert testimony. He said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent ahead of him. Now go 30. Watch this. Now 31. 30 is a good verse. I didn't mean to, to show disappointment in verse 30. It's a wonderful verse. He must increase. We must decrease. Amen? Amen? I just realized that I showed disappointment because I called out intellectually the wrong verse. It got put up there, and I went, oh, like I was disappointed in the Bible. Not true. Watch 31. Sorry. This goes on inside all of the time. I truly am sorry. Sometimes it comes out. Watch this. He who oh, this is good. He who comes from above is above all. He who is, is of the earth is from the earth. You know what John is saying here? Hey, listen, I get it. If you don't believe my testimony, I'm from earth. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just like you. You understand? I'm just like you. I'm a pastor, but I'm human. I've got 48 years. I don't have the length and breadth of, of knowledge so I'm up here preaching, but I'm giving human witness, human testimony. And I understand you might be like, Dave, we don't believe your testimony. You're a human just like we are. What do you know? Granted. So watch where John goes next. Not only does God give you human testimony, he's put people around you who love Jesus. You can reject my testimony. 
I will tell you this, my name's Dave. I, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, dead in my methamphetamine addiction and alcoholism and opiate addiction. And Jesus Christ was the only one that could restore me to sanity. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Son of God, and I want to give you expert witness. He saved my life, and I believe he'll save yours too if you put your faith in him. Now, you can reject human testimony, so watch what John says next. He who is from the earth uh, is from the earth and speaks of the earth, but he who comes from heaven is what? So, so John says, I'm from the earth. You can reject my testimony, but listen, you know, Jesus came from heaven. Watch verse 32. What Jesus has seen and heard of that he, remember, love brings light. Jesus now testifies and no one receives his testimony. John says, I'm from the earth. I'm from below. I don't have a big perspective. You can reject my testimony. But Jesus comes from above and he's got a heavenly perspective and a heavenly testimony. Now, you may be here and be like, well, I don't know what that means and I'm not sure I can accept his testimony either. I don't even know if he's real. It's my sociology professor said. We don't even know if he's real. Could have been a legend. Here's the thing. How many of you use Waze, Google Maps, Direction, any of that? Yeah, I used it this weekend. It was astounding. I love it. I just love it. I don't know how one of my kids put a British accent on it. And, it, and the Brits, they're demanding. When my son's driving with me, it says, Dad, it sounds like she's scolding you. And it does. But it's in an accent, so even the scolding is nice. Amen? It's weird. I don't know what to do with that. But I typed in, I didn't know how to get to Knibby Ranch and I was going out to Knibby Ranch to meet my, my, my uh, church family, we're setting up. And I typed in Knibby Ranch and Google Maps said, uh, told me not to take Bulverde Road to 281. I live off of Evans. I always go Bulverde Road 281, it's the shortest way. But Google Maps was there and it showed a bunch of red lines, said don't go that way. It's like stupid Google Maps. What do you know? You don't know anything. And then it dawned on me, every time I reject her wisdom, I, I suffer. I, like I get stuck on 281, because I'll even, I'll map, hey, we're meeting somebody for a I'll map, and it'll sh show 281 red, and I'll be like, what does Google Maps know? She's so dumb. And then I'll get stuck on 281 for two hours, and I'll be like, dope, sure listen to Google Maps. You know why Google Maps is so wise? Because she's from above. Legit. I had to Google. I was like, how do you know so much? How do you know? There's a series of hundreds of different satellites that are from above that spy on all y'all, yo. They know, when you're, they know when you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're stopped at a traffic light. They know all of that and compute it like this and tell me, don't take Bulverde Road in 281, go around the backside. And she's right. Why? Because she has a different perspective from above. You see, I'm from the earth 48 years. I don't know much. I really don't. If you want to reject the light, God says, tell the truth. If you want to say, no, I'm going to lie. What's the worst that can happen? Jesus is from above and he's got a broader perspective and says, if you do that, it's going to end up in death. You can say, you know what? I just, I want to do what I want to do with my body. The Bible says sex is for marriage and it's between one man, one woman and one covenant but what does God know? I'm gonna do my own thing. You need to know that Jesus' perspective is from above and love gives light and lots of it. Now, you can reject that too and say, I don't know if I believe Jesus. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna reject human testimony. I'm gonna reject Jesus' testimony. You need to know he gives you history too. From the beginning of time, God has said, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna babe roof this junk. I'm gonna point my shot. The Messiah, the Savior, the rescuer of the world is going to be a boy born to a virgin, born of the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and David, born in Bethlehem. When all of those stars align, you'll know that's the one, and he's going to be crucified, buried, and he's going to rise again. So when all of that happens, you will know that I've told you the truth. And in our world, we're like, well, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, I get it but I do have a little bit of an intellectual problem because you believe the late night infomercial on the thigh master where the dude said, I lost 400 pounds using the thigh master. You believe that and you bought two of them, yo. 
So you'll believe the guy on the infomercial that clearly didn't lose 400 pounds working his hip flexors. That's not how you, that's not how you lose 400 pounds. It's not. You build your hip flexors, but nobody ever said, check out his hip flexors. Those are sexy. <laughs> nobody. Ever. But you'll believe that. So I would, cons- I-, I would strongly encourage you, look at Jesus Christ. He is love and he is light. He has given you truth. He's changed my life. He's changed the lives of many here. He's changed history. Respond to the truth. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, love brings, love brings light. It warns, it brings lots of light. It also brings wrath. Five minutes over, five and a half. We'll land the plane on this one, but it's so good. I've got to slow down. Go 35 and 36. Love brings light. It also brings wrath. And I know some of you have been abused. Let me slow down a lot on this. Some of you have been abused by churches and pastors um, who have yelled at you and talked about the wrath of God and used it against you. So there's many sheep who have been abused. You can have spoiled sheep who think God is only love. You can have stern sheep who think God is only truth, but you can have abused sheep who think God is wrath, and I want to be very gentle, and I want to lovingly invite you in, and I want to show you how love brings wrath, but I want to do it gently for those of you who have been hurt and harmed, but I want to do it truthfully because you need to hear this. Those who are here who aren't following Jesus, you need to hear this because God loves you so much, he's going to make your life hard. He's going to make it hard for you to go to hell. I'll show you. 35, the father, and here's the word again, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. Watch verse 36. He who believes in the Son, that's Jesus, he who lays down his trophies and puts his faith in Jesus Christ has eternal life. But he who does not believe and obey the Son will not see life. Watch this. Very interesting. But the wrath of God currently, actively, perpetually abides on him. What a strange way to say it. This means the wrath of God is in this room right now and it's abiding on some who have said, I don't want Jesus. So whatever your perspective of the wrath of God, it's with us right now. It's abiding on some. So let me, let me unpack this for you just in four steps. Step number one, you need to know that love and wrath are roommates. They hang out. They party together. They enjoy each other and they need each other. Love and wrath go hand in hand. You don't believe me? I married my wife and I made a covenant promise to her to love, serve, honor, and protect her. I love her more than anyone else on the face of the earth. I love my children next to her, secondarily to her. Brooke and I love them. If anyone at any point threatens my wife and kids, do you know that my love for them goes inside and wakes up my wrath? Because the object that I love has now been threatened and it's happened. My love wakes up my wrath because my wrath is chilling out. Love goes to wrath and says, buddy, hey, pop, 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 wake up. And wrath goes, what? What do you want? And my love says, the objects that we love are being threatened. And I'm not very good at standing up. So I need Chuck Norris, Jason Statham, or the Hulk to show up and destroy those things that are threatening the objects that I love. You see, we live in a world that's told everybody, shut up and let us do whatever we want. We'll violate boundaries, we'll harm, we'll hurt, we'll teach your kids whatever we want, and they, they say, you shouldn't be judgmental, condemning, or wrathful at all. I say, forget all of that. If you're seeking to hurt my wife and kids, the Hulk is going to come out for the glory of God. And I'm just a little guy. I'm not even tough, but it doesn't matter. You, if you seek to hurt my wife, I'll take you down for the glory of God, and I'm going to keep going. I'll go crazy. Why? Because I'm angry, bitter, wrath? No, because I love her. You, you understand how wrath and love are roommates? They hang out, they drink beer, they enjoy each other. They're together. Now, number two, you need to understand, God's wrath is not like my wrath. God's wrath is not like your wrath. You you see, our wrath tends to be very embarrassing, does it not? Our wrath comes from this. 
We stuff, we press, we repress, we restuff, we put it down, we push it down until all these Cambrianic layers of volcanic molten lava are just pushed down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me give you an example. Death, 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 death. Other kids. Dad, 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 dad. You're pressing it down, you're pressing it down, you're pushing it down, the volcanic, and then what happens? What? 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 You lose your stuff. Amen? Anybody lost their stuff? Happens to me on 281. Right? By God's grace, he's growing me. People honking at me, flipping me off. What? You know, because it just... Now, that's our wrath. Our wrath comes out, and when it comes out, then we feel bad, don't we? We're embarrassed. That wasn't me. I'm so sorry. You made me mad. You made me... And we get all goofy with it because we've been stuffing and... Rep- that's our wrath. It's not like God's wrath. Watch God's wrath. I want you to see this. Um, God's wrath is present right now and some of you are enduring it and it is why your life is so hard. Watch what God's wrath is. Uh, uh, Romans chapter one, verse 18. Watch this. For the, you see it there? The, the, the is revealed from heaven. So again, it's already here. It is revealed and it's revealed what? Here's what God's wrath is. God's wrath is God's settled state of opposition against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress truth in that unrighteousness. So God stands against evil and says, I'm going to make it hard for you to continue in evil. You've chosen a path that is not light. I've warned you. Now I'm going to make it hard for you to continue in evil. Now we think God does this in nasty consequences. That's our culture. I have people every week, Dave, I would come to church, but I'm afraid God would strike me down with lightning. It's because they think God's wrath is nasty consequences. They think he just blows. Anybody ever heard of anyone recently getting struck down with lightning for coming to church? See, it doesn't happen that often, does it? But there's this thing inside. We think God's wrath is nasty wrath. You need to know that God's wrath isn't nasty it's not, he doesn't use nasty consequences. Do you know what he uses? Natural consequences. Natural consequences are his wrath. He has set up this world in such a way that to every action there is the opposite and equal. Now, God loves you. He brings light. He says, this is how the world works. Always tell the truth. You can say, I don't want to tell the truth okay, there will be natural consequences for that. You will not have friends anymore because do people like liars? No. Even when I was a meth head, yo, my house got robbed. My drugs got robbed. And I said, that's wrong. (laughs) Isn't that astounding? I can be as high as a kite up for three days, but somebody comes and steals my dope. I'm like, how dare they? That's wrong. Because we know even in our sin, and God says, I, I, I want you to tell the truth. Now, you don't have to, but you're going to end up alone, isolated, separated, in solitary confinement. And you'll start blaming everyone else. See, God says, I want you to use your body as I intend you to use it. I, I want you to have sex, one man, one woman, in one covenant relationship. You can say, I don't want to do that. God says, then life is going to be hard for you. That's the way he made life to be. He says, I want you to be incredibly generous with your money. You can say, I don't want to do that. You see, God has set up this world with natural consequences that if you choose to go against, this, it's so astounding. This word right here says it all. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The wrath of God abides on those who go against God. The preposition here, let me, let me paint the picture this way. How many of you have ever floated down the Guadalupe River? Okay, only about half of y'all? Is it because of the drought? (laughs) How many of you ever floated in a lazy river? Okay, okay, look at that. Wow, good. We're all together then. It's astounding because God has put certain natural laws in place, one being the law of gravity. Anybody ever heard of it? 
Now, you can reject the law of gravity, but if you do, you actually work against yourself. God's not, God's not going to ticket you. He's just going to say life's going to be harder for you. Because, because of the law of gravity and gravity pulling at 9.81 meters per second squared, do you know water flows downhill? That's why when you float the river, you start upriver and you float freely downriver. Now, do you have to float downriver? Is there any law that says you shall float downriver? No. You can actually try, try and go upriver. There's no law against being stupid. There's not. You can, get, you can get in at river crossing and say, hey, pick me up four miles. Pick me up in Kerrville. I'm going to go clear up river. You can swim up river. If you do that, you're going to get, I've tried it, you're going to get rashes from the inner tube. Going here, you'll get rashes. It's, it's like rubber road burn. You'll get blisters within like an hour. It's bad, but you can do it. What will finally happen is you will get out of the inner tube because you won't be floating freely. You'll be fighting the current again against you, and you will be swimming upstream. It will be frustrating, it will be exhausting, and you will have water all over you. You won't be floating, you'll be fighting. That is a picture of the wrath of God. You can swim upstream if you want to. You can, but God is going to make it hard for you, and it is why many of our lives are hard right now. God has said, this is the way I've created the universe. I love you. I've brought light. And if you choose to function against me, I'm not going to strike you down with lightning. I'm just going to give you natural consequences that are very difficult. Now, in America, we've learned how to whine and complain about the natural consequences. We overspend and overspend and overspend. And then we'll call people and say, I don't know what happened, but I need help. Will you send me money? You see, natural consequences are, hey, you overspend. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to learn a budget. Now, what we do in our addiction is we try and get people codependently to rescue us, to remove the consequences. You need to know you can swim upstream if you want to. God's going to make it really hard for you to do that. I told you last week, he's going to make it hard for you to go to hell because you're going to be fighting against all of the natural law that God has put in place. That's the wrath of God. You want to jump out and swim upstream, the wrath of God, like a current, fights against you and encourages you. Follow the light because I love you. And that's, that's his message for us today. Where, where, where have you jumped out of the inner tube and you're trying to swim upstream? You're making your life hard. You're not loving God and loving your neighbor and decreasing so that Jesus can increase. Listen, Jesus said, submit to the authorities that are over you. You don't have to do that. You can fight your boss and fight the government. It's going to be frustrating and exhausting. God says, trust me, I'm in control of all of that. Where are you fighting him? Get back in the tube and say, Lord, I just want to repent and follow you. You see, all of God's attributes have come together perfectly. They really have. They all work together perfectly. And when you understand that, you'll understand the cross. And when you understand the cross, his love will explode in your heart. You see, this is why the cross matters, because at the cross of Christ, all of God's attributes came crashing together all at once. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand the gospel of grace. Why is the cross such a big deal to Christians? Why do we wear it on jewelry why do we talk about the gospel and the cross so much? Because at the cross, the conundrum of God was solved. Do you understand the conundrum that God was in to love me? I don't know anyone worse than me. Here's the conundrum. God is love and he loved Dave Tooker. And he wanted to forgive Dave Tooker and show grace and mercy to this meth head that should be put to death. But God is love and he must love and must forgive and must give mercy. And God is holy and God has justice and God is righteous and he must condemn sin. He has to forgive, he has to love and he has to crush sin. What a conundrum. It's a conundrum greater than any of us can fathom. 
It is the conundrum that the cross solves. You see, in philosophy class, they used to ask us, what happens if an immovable object meets an unstoppable force? I know now. Because the immovable object of God's love, he loves you. And the unstoppable object of God's wrath and justice met on the cross. You see, God loved you so much that on the cross, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for you. And when you look at the cross, you have to say, behold, the righteous, holy justice and anger of God. Look at how he treats sinners. Jesus on the cross crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I know the answer to the question. Because right at that moment, Jesus became my sin. The father forsook the son and made the son to be sin and judged the son so that Dave Tooker might be made a saint. You see, as God's justice and wrath was poured out on the son, God's mercy and love was poured out on you. The son was made to be sin so that you might made a saint. And that's the beauty of the gospel. You see, all of God's attributes work together perfectly. And I'm so glad they did because if they didn't, I wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't be saved. And we wouldn't have the good news of the gospel to preach to the world. God is love. God is light. God is, he has wrath. And all of these work together perfectly and you see them in the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you understand the cross of Christ, the love of God gets implanted in your soul and abundant life begins to flow out. And what happens is loved people love people. Hillside, you've been loved infinitely, eternally, and deeply. Let us be doers of the word and not merely hearers, knowing that you've been loved eternally. How ought we to love one another? How ought we to love the world? Let's pray and sing to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your infinite, eternal goodness to us. I have no idea how you did it, but the cross is brilliant. So Jesus, we gather to say thank you for laying your life down for us. Father, thank you for your infinite, eternal sacrifice. We see your love. Would you help us be a people of truth, a people of goodness, a people of kindness, a people of justice? Would you help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfect one? And as we do that, would you help mold us and shape us into his image? We pray these things for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.